phone. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Parkinson's Recovery. This is Robert Rogers, and my show today is very special indeed. I interviewed John Carlin one year ago, and one year ago, he definitely was getting incredible and sustained relief from the symptoms that he was currently experiencing that are associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. So John recorded for us the many different kinds of things that he was doing. It's been a year now. And what John's going to do is he's going to tell us what's happened over the past year. So it's quite a remarkable story I want everyone to know. So John is here live as well. So we both got the pre-recorded question and answers because I wanted to make sure everybody was able to get up to speed on where John was. And you can also call in to the show live. We have a toll-free number, and that number is 877 877- Five nine zero zero seven three three. Once you call in, you just have to punch the number one, and that'll signal to me you'd like to be able to talk with John, and I'll connect you in. Now, the very first segment of the pre-recorded discussion that I had that you'll find to be quite fascinating with John Carlin. This is Robert Rogers, and of course, this is Parkinson's Recovery. My guest today is John Carlin, and some of you may remember John from a radio show I aired a year ago. John, thank you so much for being with us again today. Thanks, Robert. So tell us some, if you would please, about yourself. Well, um, I'm 52 now. And when I was first diagnosed, it was eight years ago, November 1st, 2002. Um, <clears throat> I've come a, probably a long way since then. And, and what my biggest accomplishment, I guess, right now is uh, we've, we've been doing this exercise program. Uh, it's like a forced exercise on a tandem. And it's really changed my outcome as far as physical capabilities and such. I mean, it's came to, come to the point where We've actually, I've actually ridden across Iowa twice now on a ride called the Ragbri, which some people may know about, some people don't, but it's just a seven-day trip, and who would have thought in eight years ago that I'd be able to ride across uh, Iowa on a bike, well, actually, it's a tandem, uh, twice now. So it's been, it's been a good, good road so far to, to follow. When you say your ride across Iowa, and you've done that two years in a row, Right. It's from one end to the other of the state. Is that Correct. right? You go from the the west side to the east side because the, I guess the prevailing winds uh, blow from the southwest during the summer. It's it's a summer ride. It's the last full week in July, roughly like the twenty fourth to the thirty first, and it's a it's the oldest ride in America. It's the longest ride um, in America. It's I think this year was the thirty ninth annual one. Um, roughly 10,000 people who are registered ride it, and 20,000 people uh, all total ride it. And there's there's a bunch of people that just jump in during the day or during the week, whatever. So you're riding with 20,000 of your best friends, and we have a group that, and, it, and it's, it's strictly a bike ride across the state, just for grins and giggles, for lack of better words. Um, we do it for uh, to bring more no, bring more people educated to. Uh, Parkinson's because we've got uh, this year we had 55 people taking the trip with us uh, last year was 36 so and this year we had I think we had more people ask us about Parkinson's in our group and whatnot than we did last year so it, it's really it's great for getting the word out um, we we have jerseys and, and and we have a website and, and uh, it's called Peddling for Parkinson's um, it's a really good 
cohesive group. Uh, it's headed up by Jay Alberts, who's out of the Cleveland Clinic. He's a neuroscientist. Uh, just a, it's 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 very it's a very good ride. Uh, it's a very informative ride. Uh, like I said, we talked to more people this year than we did last year about Parkinson's. Like we'll stay at fo- people's front yards, we'll camp in their front yards uh, of Parkinson's patients themselves. So it's just been all in all a, a great uh, experience and picking up on this. Like uh, I picked up on it about three years ago, and then uh, that's when, that's how I got involved with actual riding. I went looking for a, a, a neuro, neurologist in in Cleveland because my family lived there, and uh, found stumbled upon Jay Alberts's biking group, and that's sort of how it all began. If I were in Iowa then during the race and I saw your group, you say you have jerseys. What do the jerseys look like? Well, they're real clean jerseys are white, and on the back it says pedaling from Parkinson's, and on the front it has something to do with. Uh, it's not brain surgery, just pedal. Um, <laughs> because it, it's purely exercise. And, I mean, <clears throat> for nothing, for lack of anything else, the downside is you lose weight and you get in shape. So it's a forced exercise program for PD folks. Um, you've got a, a captain on the front of the tandem along with the PD person on the back of the tandem. And you're keep, the, the, the captain on the front is keeping the cadence up at 80 or 90 RPMs. Where usually, and then that forces that forces the the Parkinson's patient on the back to uh, keep that that pace. And I I've noticed a significant uh, reduction in my symptoms since then. Um, I, I, of course, I've been doing it for almost like two and a half three years now. So it's something I'm doing for the rest of my life till you know I have to use the walker to get on top of the bike. But um, it's a great program. Now, you are on a tandem. Who do you ride with? Um, well, <clears throat> the first year I rode with a lifelong friend of mine who took the the eight days, whatever, off to, to ride with me. Last year, or this past summer, I rode with one of the uh, the guys from last year because the, the first captain I had, you know, he can only give, he has six kids, so for him to give me a week of his time two years ago was incredible. Um the gentleman I rode with this year, he is a professor at Iowa State, and since he, he's geared towards the school year, he was able to ride with me this summer with not a problem. So it's one of our one of my past buddies that I met last year in the Parkinson's group that I rode with this year, if that all makes sense. It, yes, it does indeed. <laughs> so in essence, one of the individuals on the tandem is a person who has the symptoms or currently experiences the symptoms of Parkinson's, and the other individual uh, probably does not have Correct. the symptoms. Exactly. So anybody listening to this show who's thinking, oh, I've always wanted to go on that rag ride across Iowa, and uh, they could uh, volunteer to be a captain and exactly. join your team. Yes, you of, can. Of Just make sure it's not your spouse or you'll need a marriage counselor along. So t- say more about that. Is there are there certain challenges that evolve? <laughs> oh yeah, in fact, my wife doesn't want to ride on a tandem with me because we it's just, it's the old uh, turn right, no turn left, go forward, no go faster, go slower, <laughs> and, and it all depends on who's who's right on at the moment. So what I tend to see, what I what I do is I have someone that I'm not married to, uh, my my two buddies, and uh, that that works out really well. Except there, oh, we did we did have one couple that worked. They they've been working together for so long. Uh, she has had Parkinson's for 18 years, 
and her husband has been wonderful and he rode the front of the tandem she rode the back of the tandem and it was that they, they, they was they were with us this year so it does in some some cases it does work out really well i guess it just depends on the couple and yes. the issues of control <laughs> and exactly. there's a delicate balance of uh power and control in any relationship or any marriage right exactly and, and just to reiterate the the front person is the captain. He's the healthy. He or she is the healthy person, and the Parkinson patient's on the back. Explain to people why it is so useful to have somebody who is on the front, who is a captain, and who is forcing the person who's riding behind them to go a little faster than they normally would be able to go. Well, the, the captain can keep the pace up and has to keep the pace up, um, roughly 80 to 90 RPMs, a cadence. And then the person on the back, the, the Parkinson patient on the back, they generally can only do about 40 or 50 by themselves. And so the captain on the front is forcing, we call it a forced exercise, um, forcing the person on the back, the Parkinson patient, to keep up and keep pace because of the, of the timing link on the, on the tandem. So it's, it's really important for that, that Parkinson patient to keep this pace up uh, well, the the what the training program is uh, is basically for an hour, but that front person is keeping the the pace for the for the Parkinson patient on the back, so they maintain it for that longer period. When you were thinking about doing the race across Iowa for the first time, was it a rather scary thought about whether or not you'd actually be able to accomplish going across the entire state? Not really, because I had faith in myself. I, I mean, I had built up to it. I had talked to Jay about the first of the year before the race, and I said, well, have you got any room on the team for me to ride? This is two years ago. And he said, yeah, we've got the last two spots. You can have them if you want them. And so I just started training at that point. I had already been using his program of, of uh, spinning uh, for for an hour at that pace by myself. And I I, I live in Colorado. So I was I was forced by weather to ride indoors till about April or May, and then I went outdoors with the program. But I I mean I made sure I was going to be in shape for it. Um, I had talked to a bunch of people that have already read it, wrote it before, and they said you know it's a daily thing for seven days. It's not like you ride as far as you can for one day and then you go. Off. It's it's pre, sort of pre-programmed. Um, the first year was about. 450 miles just based on the course itself this this past year it was 480 i think it was um they change the route every year but i just i just knew i wanted to do something athletic and i had been getting good results of the, the program doing it at my house um and i i didn't you know you don't know when the bus is going to hit you so i figured now's now is the time to go and i'll just i can just i'll just do it if I were uh, participating in the race then this summer, I would uh, have my bike and right. I would begin uh, riding uh, from west to east. And then there's a pre-programmed city or town that we would first stop at after the first day. In other words, I don't randomly stop at one Correct. town or another. There's a very specific town. So 20,000 people landing on one small town, that must be quite an event. It's amazing itself. I mean, Tent City, which is where everybody stays, except for the ones that that contract out with like private individuals, like we do. Tent City, if you can envision bubble wrap, it's just just like that. It, they <laughs> take over every 
every park, every ballpark, every football field, every high school, I mean, every, every corner they can to house all these folks. And what we do is we, and they also have like an expo and then eateries in that tent city. What we'll do is we'll contact someone ahead of, oh, it, the, the course has started, is laid out February 1st. So after February 1st, Jay starts working on getting us individual homes that, we're, that we camp on the front yard of so that we're, we can go to the, the Bedlam, go to the Expo, go to the, there's, there's a band in every town, and then we can come back from it. What, what we do is um, each, day, each night there's a destination city that you stay over in every day of the week. So you're not, you're not riding through 16 towns and you decide to stay here. They've got a pre-designed uh, town that night where everybody's staying at. A person who's thinking, I might want to do that race then, is going to be advised to uh, go through the Pedaling for Parkinson's website and contact uh, Jay to express their interest in February or March, it sounds like. You can't wait until the summertime or a few weeks no. before the race well, to get this organized. What you, what you, he, the organization is done by himself and his staff. What, what, um, if you're going to contact him, it would be best to start now, really. So that you can start planning for training purposes. Right. It's not just a question of showing up and deciding right. you're going to bike across. You've got to actually prepare, exactly. which means racing as you would for a marathon, let's say. Exactly. Like when I, I used to run marathons up till about 2000 when my back went out of me. And, you know, it's just you'd start training the day after you, you sign the, you know, that you'd make the decision to do it. And you just prepare for it for, um, as, as best you can, either outdoors or indoors, in a riding situation here, uh, as much you know, like start as early as possible because the route doesn't. It, it always goes west to east. It's roughly 425 to 475, 480 miles every year. So you can be guaranteed that that's how much you're going to at least have to ride. You mentioned you've experienced uh, a relief of symptoms over the period of time when you've been biking, which has been about uh, three years. So have you just gradually noticed that symptoms have been improving over that period of time, or was there a point when all of a sudden you realized, oh, you're a lot better? Well, sort of a little bit of both. Um, I, you, you start what, what happened from what I, the way I took the program on was um, I started on a spinning bike, and I rode for five minutes, five-minute warm-up, 10-minute during the plan between 80 and 90, then five minutes of cool-off. Then I, I did that for like a week. And then I, it's, it's, a, it's a slow build-up, and I guess I was starting to obtain the benefits once I hit 10-minute warm-up, 40-minute ride, and 10-minute cool-off. And that, that was about month two, maybe, uh, when I got up to the program distances and time. So that's where I started noticing things, and it's it's not like it, it's not like someone taps you on the head with a, the fairy godmother wand and says, "Okay, you've started reduction of your symptoms." It takes a little bit of a while, but um, I was working gradually to up to the the distance and the time of the of the the way you ride. So by that time, I think I probably started noticing the uh, symptoms. I'm not a very good uh, diary writer, so I just sort of flow through life without taking too many notes. Did you notice or do you recall or remember any symptoms getting worse here and there over the course of the time when you were actually doing all of the uh, bike exercising? 
No. So that never happened? Not to myself. No, I mean, it may happen to other people, but I, that never happened with me. I just have got to the got to the point where it, everything just seemed like I'm back to normal again, actually. We'll, if, if there's a definition for normality. <laughs> right, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> From across the globe. Oh, really? We'll be right back with John Carlin after this short station break. I'm Robert Rogers, and you are listening to my interview with John Carlin, and this is Parkinson's Recovery. I sent out an email announcing the show today, last night, and I received something that's a bit unusual in my uh, inbox, my email uh, inbox. It was somebody who wanted to unsubscribe to my email newsletter, which is, I must say, very rare. Lots of people subscribe every day, and when our list is very large, but all of a sudden I saw this email from a person who was unsubscribing, and people oftentimes will give the reason why they've decided they don't want to receive any more email newsletters. And the reason from this person was she said she was very irritated by the fact that I was trying to sell my book. (laughs) I thought, wait a minute. And I realized the confusion was that in that email, I announced that we will be publishing and releasing the November edition of the Parkinson's Recovery magazine next week. And it's got some quite remarkable articles by individuals who I've interviewed here on the show, as well as other individuals. So the clinker, as it turns out, is I forgot to put in the word free in the email. So I think this particular individual must have thought that I was trying to sell her the magazine, which is not the case. It's free. Now, in order to be able to be sure you receive your copy of the free Parkinson's Recovery magazine uh, this month as well as every month, you just have to be uh, signed up to receive the e- the uh, Parkinson's Recovery newsletters. It's easy to do. You uh, go on to any search engine and type in two words. The first is Parkinson's. The second is recovery. The very first search result will be parkinsonsrecovery.com. Uh, we're up at the top because we're always writing uh, about the kinds of things you can do to get sustained relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. Click on that website, and you'll see there a place where you can enter your email address. We'll be posting it in other places, so there'll be other ways that you can actually secure a copy of your monthly magazine. But that's a surefire way to get it in an email attachment in a PDF form, so you'll be sure that no no harm or damage is actually done to your particular uh, computer system. There is a Parkinson's Recovery magazine that's available on Amazon uh, in a digitized form. I put that up there just so uh, people who didn't realize you can get it for free would at least be able to get it. There's a charge there of a dollar simply because you can't put something on Amazon for free. But uh, the uh, magazine is free. I want everybody to get a copy. And when you get yours, be sure and distribute it to everybody that you know because I think you'll see in every issue there are remarkable ideas from remarkable people. You can talk with John live, so some of this is recorded, but John is actually here with us in person, in the flesh. To do that, you have to call the following toll-free number. So that is a free number. I don't want to make the same mistake two days in a row. That number is 877 590 
800-800-0733 that connects you into the switchboard. And once you're connected in, you simply have to punch one on your keypad. That'll signal to me that you'd like to be able to talk with John, ask him questions, and find out more, not only about his forced exercise program, but uh, many of the other therapies that he's actually found are making a huge difference in his ability to be able to feel absolutely spectacular. Now back to the second uh, pre-recorded segment of my interview with John Carlin. John, I understand that you're going to be unable, after two consecutive years attending the rag ride across Iowa, to not actually attend this next summer. What's going on? How come you're not going to Iowa? Well, we're going to we're going to give a world of climbing Kilimanjaro with the group from that's uh, out of here in, in Washington State. Uh, out of Seattle, and it's going to be. Uh, I think it's it's uh, it's like the second week in July, tenth the tenth through the twenty fourth, and we're a, a group of MS and PD patients are going to climb Kilimanjaro with a film crew. It's, a, it's a, like a documentary, so I'm really looking forward to that. And that's that butts up against the rag ride. And I don't know, you never know. I may even throw my hat in the ring for the rag ride, but the, my main focus. For getting in shape this year is going to be for Kilimanjaro, going up and down instead of riding a bike. Well, how exciting. Oh, yeah. Just to clarify, then, we're, we're not talking about Kilimanjaro as a mountain in Iowa. No, exactly. That's that's that town that's the second. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so this is a pretty ambitious uh, project. How long is that going to take? Well, we just learned about it about two, three weeks ago. And we're going to find out more about it this weekend. That's one of the reasons why I'm here in town in, in uh, Seattle. So you're not sure exactly how many people are going to be involved with that project yet? No, I do not. I mean, well, that, that, I don't know for definitely sure. By the, uh, I do know that it's closed to anybody else for this year. Because when I talked to the uh, the coordinator, uh, she was telling me that they've already closed up shop for accepting anybody else on it. Because um, there's Sherpas, there's the camera crew, there's the MS folks, there's the PD folks, there's the leaders, and also like uh, your climb buddy. I think is going. That's I think that's what my wife is called. Instead of my spouse on this trip, um, you have a, you have somebody that will be climbing with you. What an exciting thing to do! Oh, I know this is going to be outrageous. Well, I can't wait to see the movie of you doing the... It'll be in your theaters next winter. Next winter. Well, we'll look forward to it. It'll be a Christmas thing for yeah, you. For an Academy Award and National Geographic and everything else. You No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. You obviously are getting sustained relief as a result of your biking and your exercise program. What yeah. other kinds of things are you doing to get relief from your symptoms? Um... Gosh, I've I've got such a plethora of stuff, but the the biggest thing has been, um, well, I think that my uh, my spinning has led to, or my biking, whatever, has led to a lot of reduction in like my medication and stuff. I've reduced it three times, and nothing like that had happened until I started the biking, the jailer stuff. So it's just been a, um, I don't know, it, it sort of gradually happened. Uh, there's no, I, I, don't, I can't put a finger on it, but um, exercises, I mean, even to the doctors that are sort of like disbelievers in anything but medicine and pharmacological aids, uh, my uh, my 
my neurologist has, has conceded that exercise is, is an important thing, and I found it, I mean, it's, and what's the downside of what, what I do as far as biking is you lose weight and you get in shape. So how much do you weigh now? Well, unfortunately, I just came back from Europe, and I think I put 15 pounds on because of the cheese they eat there. <laughs> right. So, but, uh, but, but I, I usually bounce around about 175, 180 pounds, and I'm like 195 now, so I guess I'm back to my freshman year of college weight, but that was from too rich. I mean, I'm, I keep looking at my calves to see if the gout has taken over yet. <laughs> That's funny. And what, what's interesting is that because of being in Europe for roughly 10 days, that put me out of my spinning, uh, you know, my biking for about two weeks, and I can sort of feel it um, that uh, that it's 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 gaining the, the disease is gaining back on me again. But I've started since I've when I get back from Seattle, I'll start up the program. And what I do is I do it every other day, uh, and I, I've upgraded my program from because I sort of had peaked out at the uh, three days a week, eighty to ninety. Uh, cadence RPMs, and I was talking to Jay, and he said, "Well, next step would probably be uh, go up from 80 to 90 to 90 to 100 RPMs in your cadence, and be ride four days a week." So what I do now is I uh, I do between 90 and 100 every other day, and I've stretched my riding time from 40 minutes to almost 60 minutes. So it's a 10 minute warm up. 10 minute warm down and 60 minutes in the middle so I've sort of graduated up to the next level I'm, I guess you could say and that has helped a lot because you've, I've I plateaued but you know my 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 uh, symptoms have sort of like disappeared uh, but you gotta you gotta stay on this every day of your life actually and I've resigned myself that it, it's not just an experiment it's it's a the lifestyle now and I think Nan's done the same thing is that we just ride and ride and ride and ride and if that's if that's all I have to do to, to keep on top of this beast then I'm going to do it there's a lot of motivation because you're seeing such relief from your symptoms yeah and then and this you know and I enjoy doing adventures that hence the Kilimanjaro trip and uh and I'm going to I may even try and squeeze the rag bra in at the end of it after we get back but you know it's just exercise is so important I mean, you, you, and the doctors are starting to actually talk about it now. The ones that aren't quite involved as we are or Jay is, but they realize that you know breaking a sweat is very good for a, a person. And and there's different ways of going about that. You don't have to be riding a tandem or a spinning bike down your basement. Um, it's just you, you, I can't stress enough that however you exercise, exercise as much as you can. You mentioned a strategy to basically push yourself. In other words, go a little more than just the 80 RPMs. Correct. Uh, how, how are you able to accomplish that? How are you able to push yourself to do more? Um, this turn, it's internal. Uh, my spouse has been great. She's uh, my wife. She'll sit there and she'll go, you know, if, if, if you're having a bad day or it's raining or whatever and you're going, you know, maybe I just won't ride today. Well, she's like, um, if you've ridden today, you know, you need to get down there on the bike. So your your spouse or your significant other is is very important in in your daily lives and your motivational factors because not everybody can be up every day. And those, on those down days, that's where you need a little bit of help and a push. 
so having someone else say, "Have you brushed your teeth today?" You know, as long as along the lines for exercising, that's that's just that's as important as self motivation on yourself. Um, I think it's it's it gets easier, so to speak, once you started the started the spinning program and the biking program, and, and have gone through it for a while. Because that now you know what your what the what the the daily routine is to be like, and it's just a matter. It's sort of like you know if you don't have that first cup of coffee in the morning and you drink coffee all the time, you want it. So you, you feel like there's something missing when you don't get to your biking that day. I mean, I'll I'll get to the point where I, I didn't get a chance to do it during the day, so I'll hop on my bike about 10:30 at night and ride to 11:30 if, it, if that's what it takes. So I guess a lot of it's self motivation. I'm thinking, too, that your wife probably is able to perhaps know even better than you that the biking has such a positive impact that she can see how much better you feel when you bike. Oh, definitely. I mean, she's the outside camera looking in, or the nanny cam in the room, you know. So she sees it, she feels it, she knows it. And yes. when we're experiencing it, it's much more difficult for us to realize what's really happening. Exactly. When you're when you're chipping away at that... that granite stone you know they see the results you don't always see the dust flying right when you were then traveling through europe on your trip were you impeded in any sense by any problems associated with symptoms at towards the end i did notice it because you get really tired from travel and the flight especially the flight over and the flight back um i brought my my riding gear with me just in case i had the opportunity which didn't arise but um, jet lag definitely comes into play, and just the the ten days or twelve days, whatever we were gone, without exercise um, and and too much fromage, just cheese, um, it just it just sort of wears on you. And I could tell when I got back. In fact, I was talking to my eleven year old son when I got back, and I said I snapped at him or something, and he said, I said, Jack, you got to understand that. Dad's PD is sort of coming back into play because I haven't been riding. I'm tired and I'm out of shape because of it. And he said, "That's okay, Dad," because I had, I had told my son years ago about my Parkinson's, and and uh, he understood. And it wasn't like I had to explain it all over to him again. He just understood that Dad's PD was coming back into play. But that was because of lack of, you know, my usual routine. So right, it's, you broke it's out still of there. there. Exactly. Uh, it sounds like you probably were eating more cheese too, as well as probably other things, since it was a vacation. Oh yeah, a couple of glasses of wine. <laughs> Are there any dietary considerations that you try to be attentive to when you're not on vacation? Um, I, I eat as best I can. As my wife's a very good cook, so um, she sort of heads the, the heads the household in that area, and she's big on organic, and uh, we've got our own garden in the back. So I try and eat the the good stuff that you've always heard about. Every once in a while you fall off the horse or the bike. But um, in general, I'm pretty good about fruits, vegetables, uh, organic more so than than uh, if if you can if you can. I know some folks don't have access to it or not, but my, since my wife is real big into it, uh, we don't have that much of a problem. And we've got some good stores in Denver that we take care of with organic food and but you. You know, it's the old, don't eat junk and eat good things for you. Right. Well, it sounds like you had a delightful time in Europe. Where did you go? We went to northern Italy, the Piedmont area. Um, we 
stayed basically in a little town uh, called Alba, A-L-B-A, and just did short little day trips to wherever. It was organized out of a, of a specialty meat store and wine store in the Denver area, Tony's. And uh, we had, uh, there, was all, there was eight of us on the trip. So it was, a, it was a, I had never been to Europe except for, I like to say that Ireland's the doormat of uh, Europe. So I, I've been to, to Ireland, but never deep into the uh, European area. My wife had been a few times with, with her daughter. So this is the first trip to Europe, and it was just the the flight over and flight back are somewhat of a grinder. It's about a seven eight hour flight over, and and when you don't have your uh, biking to to help you aid you through it, and it was it got like I said, it got tough towards the end, and not debilitating tough, but just I could tell that the uh, the beast was scratching on my shoulder. You then experienced the symptoms of Parkinson's for about eight years. How Correct. would you describe the evolution of those symptoms over those eight years? Have you experienced uh, decreasing uh, symptoms, yes. increasing, or about the same? No, well, first it started up with small, uh, fine motor skills not working too well, and like trying to brush teeth or shave, and then... Uh, a, a little bit of a tremor on my outside right finger, my pinky, uh, and a pall on my face, which I didn't notice, but my wife did. So when we talked to the doctor first, she mentioned all that stuff. And it, and it sort of started um, gradually moving forward, the symptoms did. Uh, of course, the doctor throws you on meds right off the bat. And I didn't really come on to the, the exercise as important as it, as it has come to be. Until roughly year five. Um, I, again, I've been at it eight years now. In fact, I just had my anniversary three days ago. Um, but it was it was it, it's sort of I, I was sliding, if you want to say, you know, your your steps slow down. You look sort of take upon the king penguin look with your rounded shoulders and your head down. Uh, your voice becomes softer. That, uh, I like to call it the designer disease because. Everybody doesn't get the same symptoms. Um, some get stronger symptoms than others. Um, so I, I noticed it for about like the first five years, and then when I started spinning, it just sort of started dissipating and going away. As, as we've talked earlier, Jay's program, um, they, they recorded roughly about a 30 to 35% reduction in your symptoms, and it's sort of like you've been, you're back to normal, if you want to call it that. But it took a little, you know, I went five years without this focus of a program, and now I'm reaping the benefits of it. And, it's, you know, it's not going to be for everybody because not everybody uh, can exercise. It depends on how debilitated they are. Um, this isn't this isn't a cure. It's a, sort of a uh, helps you along through life type of thing. But, you know, it's, and it's, again, I just want to not not everyone can do it because they're not physically fit or able to. But uh, for those who can, it's, I highly, highly recommend it. Imagine that in Denver, which is an area where you live, that there were a, uh, a clinic, a, a Parkinson's center, where people could go to get experience with natural and safe and non-invasive therapies and treatments and modalities that can help them feel better. If, if such a clinic existed, 
when a person goes, what would they experience? What would they see? What would they be able to do in addition to, of course, all of the biking? Um, they're probably going to receive someone a little bit more receptive to uh, to the, to the, the pro- our problems, you know, our symptoms, because I, I think that now there are a lot of medical doctors that are also like homeopathic or holistic doctors that I think they they, um, they at least in my situation, uh, you know, they, versus my neurologist, they probably are a little bit more receptive to what's going on and and are more uh worldly and their their viewpoint instead of sheer medicine because like when the first neurologist I went to he was like okay seven minutes of an exam um here's a pill here's a, a brochure call me in six months and I'll see you and you're like this is not what I'm looking for so it's sort of a symbiotic relationship between your caregiver and uh and yourself and it's just a uh, you got to search that person out, and it's like I've got friends that are up in uh, Fort Collins area that you know they just they, all they have is a, all they, that person has is a neurologist. Mine happens to be a, a movement disorder specialist, and it's it's difficult to find the right mix, which is like difficult to find with uh, you know a pediatrician for your kids, and it's difficult to find a you know, internist for yourself and that type of thing. So it's just a it's a it's a search that you can, you gotta find that person that'll help you through you what's going on with yourself for the rest of your life really. So who else is on your medical team? Um, I've got a massage therapist. I've got a because we do get um, well from the spinning especially uh, you get a stiff every now and then. And when I came back from Europe, I was just a wreck. Uh, full of my IT band was bad. And, uh, but I've got a, a um, Pilates trainer. I've got a, a homeopathic doctor. I've got a neural neurologist. I've got um, let's see what else. Uh, my wife helps me with my uh, foods. Um, do a lot of reading in that area. Uh, trying to think. I, can't, I don't have a list in front of me. I'm out of place because I'm in Seattle, so I don't have the whole list. But um, I have a a whole handful of people instead of just one or two because I think everybody can help with their specialty or whatever their whatever their their way of uh aid is so there's a i i would re- i'd recommend that um people find a, different modalities and talk to other people that are doing different things to find out what they're doing like there's a conference here this weekend in uh Seattle. That, uh, from what I understand, it's a really good con- conference, and you can find a lot of different things. You got to keep on asking questions, and you got to you got to keep on searching. And I'm not afraid to be a guinea pig. Some people may not be able to be a guinea pig, um, but I'll just try a variety of things. And for, like this biking, if it doesn't hurt, why not try it? it so. Biking, then, is not the only thing you do. You do other things as well. Right. You mentioned a homeopathic doctor. Some people are not going to know what that is. Could you explain some what that person does for you? They're, they're, uh, um, what mine does for me, it gives me different alternatives to um, different problems that you have. Uh, there's like, if there's, a, like, for instance, I had um, 
of my heavy metals checked in my body, and I and mercury is a real bad heavy metal, and it it takes hold of up in the brain tissue. And when I had my my heavy metals tested by my homeopathic doctor, they were really high, so he was able to get rid of them. And I I really think that that the getting rid of the heavy metals in my body were um, were one of the keys to my symptoms being reduced as, as well as they have been. Um, that's through like a chelation process, which is uh, IV and a, and then during once a week, and then during those interim periods, it's like you pop some uh, chelation tablets, and so it, it took about six eight months to get those out, and I think that was a big a big deal to get rid of the, the heavy metals out of my body. Six or eight months were these treatments every week, every other yeah, they're, week. They're, yeah, I think it all depends on the, pro- the program you're going on. My program was every was every week for for six months at least. So this was we, a, this was an ambitious program for you, but it sounds like well worth it. Oh, I think it was. Um, I um, I think it's important. I, when I was younger, I was exposed to because I was working in this company that had all the bad stuff, you know, paint cleaners and degreasers and all that stuff. And I think I was also a caddy at a golf course that so exposed to fertilizers um and i think both of those came into play because i did it i recently did a, a dna study with 23andme and they uh came back with the fact that uh after uh what do they call them gene profiling i think it is that uh, i was on the low side of or if from that i shouldn't be susceptible to getting parkinson's but i did anyways so i think it was environmental in my situation so going to check your heavy metals uh that that showed that there was some bad stuff in my system and we just need, we really did need to get it out so i discussed it with my homeopathic guy and that's where that led to chelation sounds like it was a double whammy too you didn't have exposure just to one type of pesticide or toxin. Oh, you had several exactly i had uh high readings on mercury tin and lead i think it was so what we did we put more filters in the house for the water um did the chelation and this sort of that that has helped tremendously uh, i don't know if everybody wants to do that but it's something i did and i i chose to do it and it helped me again it's it's not a cure it's just uh, another step in the on the road way to better health i guess the filters are at the faucet level or are no they're at the the, the, the uh, i've got a about two or three. I also have RO water, uh, reverse osmosis water in the house. I've got one coming off, a filter coming right off the street, and I got another filter just before the RO system, so it's taken out as, as much as, as the filters can, and then the RO strips the water completely. So that we keep the, because uh, the, living in Colorado, there's mines, and not that we live outside a mine, but there's just bad stuff in the ground. Uh, and trying to keep it out of our systems, right? Be it physical or your body. Imagine, if you will, that a number of the people listening to this show have just been diagnosed with the symptoms of Parkinson's. What mm-hmm. would you like to say to them now? Be highly educated as far as what you can gather for information. This by about the third day of getting diagnosed eight years ago, my wife had about 
three feet high stacks on my desk of information about Parkinson's and what they knew about it eight years ago. And just educate yourself as best possible. I have, um, I've told a lot of people that I've got Parkinson's, um, not for pity or anything, but it's more my eyes and my ears out there because I'll get information from the strangest places about this person's doing that or this study said this or over in Germany they're doing stem cell research or what whatever whatever the situation is but I've turned them into my eyes my ears so it's it's not that you want to tell everybody in the world that you've got Parkinson's but I I let people know that I've got it so that they can and I ask them I said if you ever see anything information wise send it to me and I'd appreciate it they've been my eyes my ears so and people do yes and people do I'll get emails or letters mostly emails from friends and or acquaintances and out of out of nowhere and and they will they'll send you the information because you'd be surprised when you turn loose a lot of people what they'll gather up for you I know many people don't tell others that they currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's. What you're saying Correct. is there's actually an incredible benefit that people, oh, yeah, exactly. people will be extra eyes and ears and can get additional information for you. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I'll tell them, you know, find find a good doctor find and, and exercise a ton because I, I that's what been one of the biggest reliefs for me. But, you know, there's a, this, a, first off, it's like I'm writing a book about this, about my experiences. And I call it off the ledge because when you first get diagnosed, you're sitting on a window ledge and you go, do I jump and end it all or do I come back and fight it? And, and this book is to sort of like track my history of having it the past eight years and that I have done something about it and there is hope out there. Um, you may think it's very small when you first face the beast, but it just hope gets bigger and bigger. And, it, you know, you're not resigned to dwindling at least I'm not going to let myself be resigned to dwindling away at, at, for for no reason at all. So, John, off the ledge, when is it going to be finished? Well, I'm in about the second reiteration of it now. I'd like to get it done within the next six months. It's it's something that I I, th- I, I really feel that it needs to be, be written and so that people can read about it. So that, that If I can give one person hope, I've beaten the beast for that day. And the book is sort of tracks my history and and it's just a matter of getting sitting down i i'll head off to the mountains usually for about three days and uh continue writing it and upgrade it and everything so it's coming you'll have to be sure and let me know john yes, when this yes, book I will. is done we'll put it I on will. the must read list for people who currently experience the symptoms of parkinson's you never know it may be on kindle oh yeah it needs to be Definitely, yeah. It needs to be on Kindle and in Amazon, and uh, you can make it a, a download. And right. uh, it's important for books to to make them available in all formats, right. because there are many people who live in other countries, and the idea of getting a print book is very expensive. Just the shipping costs uh, make it prohibitive for many people. So it's important. I'm also going to also gonna start a blog going. So I've talked to so many people over the past couple of years. It's like. It'd be, it's easier to disseminate a lot of information that way, and they'll know about it. So I have fun writing. If you, in fact, I've, I've written one blog so far. It was on what, last summer's Peddling for Parkinson's website um, about the ragbri. So that was I wet my wings in the, on that blog, and now now the the blog for PD.
you could do another one, especially uh, off the ledge, and and, and uh, make sure that people know about the book. Yes, exactly. What else do we need to be sure and talk about that we haven't had an opportunity to discuss yet? Um, I, I really thought I, had, I can't roll into anything else I know of. Well, John Carlin, I want to thank you so much for being our guest today on the radio show and telling us all about the incredible experiences you've had with finding ways to get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. Just, you know, people, they just got to understand there's hope out there. And it's like I always, like I'll finish my letters, I'll say, you know, how can you be sad if you're hula hooping? <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> Nobody is sad who's hula hooping, are they? That's exactly. How, how can you be un, how can you be unhappy if you're standing with a hula hoop? <laughs> That's right. So it's time for everybody to get a hula hoop. <laughs> well, you know, if I start a trend again, I, I may have to start selling them. There you go. You can do that. You can sell that with your book. <laughs> yes, yes. But just you know, there's hope, and you, and it's in everybody to be able to to create that hope and and just be optimistic. John, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Robert. I'm Robert Rogers, and you're connected to Parkinson's Recovery. If you'd like to be able to talk with John Carlin now, my guest today, call the top following toll-free number, 877-590-0733. Area code 206, you are on the air. Hello? Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, John is here. Hey, John, uh, this is Doug, Doug Little from Seattle. Uh, I, I have two questions for uh, John for the purposes of the broadcast. Uh, where do you think you were five years compared to where you are now? And secondly, of all the different uh, therapies and treatments and approaches you've tried, what's been the most effective? Five years ago... I probably was in a sliding down mode. Um, I think I talked about my fine motor skills disappearing, uh, shaving, brushing your teeth. Uh, I had a tremor in my little finger. I had an internal tremor that, like, it's, if you step out of a cold, out of a shower into a cold room and you get that internal quivering, that's sort of what my symptoms were at the time, and they were just sort of gradually increasing. Um, to get around that, I just adapted. I did a like I did a um, automatic electric toothbrush and an automatic an electric razor to get around that. Um, I didn't start pedaling until about three years ago, so I was just off and on again exercising. Does that sort of answer that question? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, but today, today you're noticeably. Better than that, those symptoms have yeah. retreated to a substantial yeah. extent. Uh, definitely, okay. um, and, you know, I think it's all due to the, the peddling for Parkinson's uh, program. Uh, people will start out on a tandem just to get the uh, understanding of it and how to keep up the, the the cadence with somebody's help. And then what I I was a little was already in shape biking wise, so I started out on a spinning bike myself because. Sometimes it's hard to, to snag a tandem, let alone having someone captain your, your tandem 
in front in, at the house, so I had to do this on my own. So that's where I think exercise has been a big, big, big uh, exercise has been very, very good to me. How about the uh, homeop, uh, the the chelation therapy that you've tried? Is that do you think that's contributed to your improvement? Yes, I do. Um, we looked at that a, lo a lot before I did it, and I, I think that came into play one of the many one of the many cards that have been drawn out of the deck on the positive side. Um, it got rid of the heavy metals I had inside me. Some people will agree with it, some people don't agree with it, but I think with mercury um, uh, resting in the brain tissue. Um, that's where it finds its home. I, I, I think chelation worked really well for me. It was just an added bonus, uh, part of the whole equation that has gotten me where I am today. But is that a Parkinson's um, effect, or is that just a general health benefit? I think it's both. Okay. I think a lot of people have, you know, you don't start looking at what's going on with you until you're sick. Um, mm -hmm. Most people don't. And I think it was it was partially, you know, regular health or anti-health, and then also Parkinson's. Okay. And one one last question on pedaling. Um, did you de detect any difference between when you're on the back of a tandem going across Iowa, or where the captain was setting the pace, as compared to when you're just spinning on your own by yourself setting your your own pace. Um, the thing about the, the riding a tandem in the open is, if you don't find a, if you don't have a, a, an area to ride in that you can ride straight out for say an hour, um, you whereas versus on a spinning bike, you can set, you know, you can ride that hour at 10 warm up and 40 you ride and then 10 warm down without having to worry about hills and stop signs. That's on your spinning bike. Um, if you can keep the Keep if you can take a ride in an area where you have, you don't have to stop or slow down or it's, it's very it's, it's almost exactly like on a spinning bike. That there lies the problem. Unless you take the spinning bike in, or the uh, tandem indoors, which uh, they have up in Seattle, um, they've taken the program in, indoors, which is where the experiment actually began in Cleveland. But um, right there, they've got a captain on the front of the tandem. They've got the Parkinson's patient on the rear of the tandem. Keeping the pace. There's no stop signs. There's um, um, there's no wind in your face unless you got a fan blowing. So that's the only downside to riding a, a uh, um, that's the only downside to riding out in the wild blue yonder there with on a tandem is that you if you can't keep up that one hour ride, that sort of mm -hmm. that'll befuddle you a little bit. Yep. Okay. Those are the questions I have for now. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Doug. Thanks so much for calling in, Doug. I'm Robert Rogers. My guest today is John Carlin. If you'd like to be able to ask John questions, you can call the following toll-free number, and that's 877-590-0733. My guest next week same time, same day, same station on Wednesday afternoon, 3 o'clock Pacific and 6 o'clock Eastern will be compounding pharmacist and nutritional counselor Randy Menser, who I know has provided extensive counseling to a number of individuals in my audience. 
But Randy, on this particular show, is not going to be answering questions about what medications he would recommend you consider taking or substitutes for medications. He's going to be giving his own personal story about what's happened to him over the past year. It is, I want everybody to know, a compelling story. I was on the edge of my sheet because I've already actually recorded the interview. Now, Randy doesn't actually have the symptoms of Parkinson's, but much of what he has experienced himself personally has incredible implications for anyone who also happens to currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's. So it's really a must-listen-to show for you next week. Randy Mincer talking about a man who's willing to talk in a very personal sense about his own significant struggles with his health and his ability to figure out what was causing his problem. And the answers I want you all to know are going to be incredible. When you actually discover what it was that he found out about what was causing his terrible symptoms, you're going to be amazed. So be sure to listen next week, as I want to encourage you to listen every single week at 3 o'clock Pacific time here on the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. Area code... Three six zero. You are on the air. Yes, John. This is Dave. I have a couple of questions. I was wondering sure. if the altitude where you train in Denver has any significant significance, you know, for your training or your effects of Parkinson's. Um, on the training end, I think it, it does, in the fact that. I used to run marathons up until 2000, and after you train at elevation for a while, um, it's a lot easier to go down. Like when I go ride the Ragbri, that's almost like at zero. I'm at 6,300 feet, so I, I think there's a definite plus. The the tough side is if starting out at altitude, unless you haven't lived there for a while, um, it, it just uh, will slow your progress a hair until you get into shape and then like I said and then when you drop down to any other elevation uh, it, it it feels like a superman almost um, yes it does sort of start hindering you in the beginning but I think if you um, if you continue with it three days a week um, I think you'll find that uh, it's just a more of a positive than it is a negative I haven't noticed it because I've always pretty much been an athlete all my life. Um, so I don't, does it, that answer your question? Well, you gave me an answer, and that sounds good. The other thing is that you didn't mention anything about depression that I heard. Of, and I was wondering if you went through periods of depression and how you sort of dealt with that. Um, I, I did have depression in the very beginning. I think everybody really does. I, when you get hit in the face of brick wall. Um, what I did was I went to an acupuncturist. I happened to be going one at the time. Uh, we have one in our, in our like our therapy, my therapy list. Um, my doctor suggested that uh, I take an antidepressant and I said, well, maybe I can handle it myself. And what I did was I happened to be going to my acupuncturist that week. Um, and I said, you know, while I'm laying here, can you do anything for depression? And she said, sure. And she applied some appropriate pins. And and I, I kid you not, I got off the table smiling. 
and then uh, it took about six to about six months, maybe eight months, to work my way through it all. And ever since then, I've never had to take anything for depression. Um, I'm pretty pretty upbeat about it. Uh, if I did, I'd, I'd go back to the uh, acupuncture table again in, in a minute. Uh, that's how I got rid of my my depression. It, it's there when you, you start out. Uh, it's not to say it won't return, but um, I've pretty much kept that guy at bay, and he's I've shut him down. So my answer to that was uh, acup acupuncture. Well, thank you very much. It's been a really an interesting story. I was looking forward to your book. <laughs> thank you. Make you a fast read. Area code 206, you are on the air. Hi, this is Nan calling from Seattle. Hey, Nan. How are you doing? Good. John, I just wanted to say what a remarkable inspiration you are for me and for so many other people. Whoever encounters you, hears your story, and feels your humor. Um, you know, you can't have a bad day when you're around you. It's just uh, it's a wonderful thing. I know when we're climbing up Mount Kilimanjaro next summer, uh, whenever I'm going to feel down and lonely or whatever, I know you're going to sort of kick me in the butt and, and uh, make me laugh and, and help me get up that mountain. Um, but you do that for everybody, no matter where you are, and I just want to thank you for that. Thank you. I, I promise I won't kick you too hard. What's that? I promise I won't kick you too hard, but I'll but, try. But Doug, Doug is sitting here, and he's saying, uh, why, why didn't you get up Potter's Hill? Well, you know, some days are diamonds, some days are rocks, and I can only blame that on my, my captain. I was back in the stoker position, grinding it out, so... But I applaud you for you successfully getting to the top of Potter's Hill. Well, I applaud now, you for ha having your airtime, too. Yes, as do I. Now, listeners are probably uh, going to recognize the voice of Nan because she was our guest last week on the radio show. I have a question I want to ask the two of you. I, I met both of you in Seattle several weeks ago, and I saw you uh, together. And I also heard a story about a newscast where both of you were interviewed for the newscast. And uh, as it turns out, John's little interview was scrapped, uh, but Nan's yours got on the air. So what's the deal? How come you got to be on the television, but he didn't? Well, John needs a little training in TV um, management. Uh, if you're going to be a Parkinson's patient on the air, you have to show – the audience that you have Parkinson's, so you need to shake. Now, John has uh, he, he's managed to conquer his shake, so he, he stands there and he tells a wonderful story, pours his heart out to the reporter, but there's nothing for the uh, photographer to look at that says this guy has Parkinson's, whereas I, on the other hand, pour my heart out to the reporter, but the more I talk about Parkinson's, the more my hand shakes, so I can sit there and watch the cameraman pan down to the shaking hand, and I, and I just know every single time that that's going to be on the broadcast. That's not going to hit the cutting room floor, and I'm right. <laughs> you were right, right indeed. So John's taking shaking my, lessons from me. <laughs> taking shaking That's really funny. So we call oh, John's floor time and me air time, but he got some air uh, time today, so that's good, Robert. Man is, man yeah. is a pro. I'm just a rookie. Well, I yeah, must say, you're, you're uh, the pro at making people feel good if they have Parkinson's, John. I tell you, you pick me up oh. off the floor more than once. 
Thank you. I resemble that remark. <laughs> well, and being in the presence of both of you, it's difficult for anyone to tell that there are any symptoms whatsoever that are evident. It's just you don't see anything at all uh, in the presence of either one of you. And that, uh, John, I, I just heard part of your interview, but that's the uh, that's the biking. Yes, yes, yes. Hello? Hello? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought my phone was dead. So, Nan, did you have anything else you wanted to um, talk with John about? Um, no, I think I pretty well covered it in my thing last week. But so I should tell you, Robert, several people have contacted me after uh, being on your show last week, and it's really nice to be able to reach out and help them as well. So, John, oh, I'm sure wonderful. something will happen to you. Wonderful. So. And, and and just as a reminder, and some people listening right now are, are were unable to or have not yet heard the show from last week, but you um, really are helping hospitals and other organizations uh, establish uh, exercise programs for individuals who specifically have the symptoms of Parkinson's. So you're getting a lot of information uh, that you're happy to make available to other people who live in cities other than Seattle. So Absolutely. those of you who are listening, feel free to contact Nan, and she would be most delighted and, and, and uh, happy to uh, provide that kind of assistance. That's for sure. So good to talk to you both. Seattle. It's wonderful to hear from you, Nan. Thanks for calling in. You bet. Take care. So, John, I want to make sure and um, ask you about any other therapies that you would like to also talk about. You've obviously talked about a number that have made a huge difference. Uh, are there any other that you want to make sure and tell listeners about? I've got, let's see, I, I do exercises we've talked about. I've got a massage therapist who um, has been very key to this because uh, Parkinson's patients become stiff and rigid and their muscles aren't as pliable as as, a, as someone who's not have Parkinson's, um, but massage therapy is big. Pilates is uh, so it keep uh, keeps me stretched and more limber. That that's been very big. Um, I do core resistance, uh, like the gentleman called earlier. I, I've got acupuncturists. I take homeopathics. Um, one of them is a it's a cellular hydrator, which I think has been also a contributor as far as my my. Uh, Med, my meds reduction because uh, what it does it just moves fluids to your cells uh, faster and more efficiently and, and detoxes them at the same time. That stuff's called Aquas. Um, that's been, been big. Getting rid of the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, getting rid of the uh, heavy metals was large, and uh, and also you got to have a good neurologist. Um, you have a good homeopathic and you have a good neurologist because. You need. I think you need a mixture of both both worlds to uh, to get through this and uh, help you out through your your hills and valleys. Off the ledge, your book. When is it going to be out, John? I'd like to get it out this year towards the end, not not this not ten, but uh, in probably the next six eight months. Basically, it's just a it's a hope book. Uh, it's, it's probably filled with humor. And seriousness, I've found that humor is a big is a big aid in my uh, conquering this beast. Um, the book Off the Ledge it just came from when I was thinking one day. I said, you know, 
where, where a person stands when he first gets diagnosed is you're sitting on a windowsill, and what do you do? You jump and end it all, or do you come back in and fight about it? So that's sort of where the book came from. Um, one of my favorite chapters is a book about, or is a chapter about when my cousin, before she died of leukemia at a real early age, I said, how do you, I had just been diagnosed, and I said, how do you cope with all this? And, you know, it's like, how do you get it off your brain for 99% of the time? And she said, well, there's an elephant in the room, and your job is to shrink that elephant down to a manageable size where it's always going to be in the room, but you don't see it anymore. And then when you have bad days, it's when the elephant farts, and it's your job to dissipate the gas. So I've t- tucked that underneath my uh, my arm and gone through life since then with that, and uh, I thank her for that. So that's that's one of my chapters in the book. It's the elephant in the room. So hopefully in the next six, eight months. Well, that sounds wonderful, and we'll have to make an appointment to have you back on the show so you can talk about your book and so people will know how they can actually obtain a copy. Sure. If you'd like to be able to talk with John, this is your last chance, folks. You can call the following toll-free number, and that's 877-590-0733. Now's your last chance. Although, of course, you can talk to him after the show as well to be able to talk with him or ask whatever questions you might have of him. Well, John, you've actually listened to yourself answer all those many questions that I ask you and that uh, we previously aired uh, during the last hour. Do you have anything that you want to make sure and add to what you've already said? Well, for starters, you got all the answers correct this time. (laughs) And um, I, if anybody has questions, they, the, probably the easiest way to get hold of me is to, is to contact me via email. Do you want me to give that out, or how do you do yes, that? Yes, oh, please do. Please do. Yes, that'd be wonderful. My email address is, I'll say it, then I'll spell it. It's doublehall3 at comcast.net. That's spelled D-O-U-B-L-E-H-A-U-L, the number three, then at comcast, C-O-M-C-A-S-T, Dot net. Um, also, a good place to get all this exercise information is our Pedaling for Parkinson's website, and that's just like it sounds. It's Pedaling, P-E-D-A-L-I-N-G, F-O-R, Parkinson's, P-A-R-K-I-N-S-O-N-S dot org, and you get all the information you could dream possible from our our Pedaling scenario. And also, you can also contact Nan because she's up in the Seattle. They have an incredible program going up there. It's just tremendous. It's coming to everything to fruition. Um, so you can email me at the at the, my web or my email address or contact Nan, and Robert has that her email address. Um, and then peddlingforparkinsons.org. If you remember all that, you're great. Yeah. And it may be that uh, people will have very specific questions about uh, equipment and exercise bikes and choices that uh, they might want to consider. So you'd be really a wonderful resource to be able to help in that regard since there are just so many choices out there that are available. And uh, you've had some experience with a a number of different uh, uh, vehicles for doing forced exercise. Exactly. So be sure to contact John if you've got any of those types of questions. Um, Obviously, it's a question of either going to a commercial source to get a a bike that you can use for force exercise, but there are also a lot of makeshift 
kind of bikes that you can put together uh, that uh, Nan talked about during our show last week. Uh, there are eBay sales that you can go to. Uh, and there's a, a lot of uh, guidance that can be helpful with regard to exactly how to do forced exercise. And so uh, both John and Nan are invaluable uh, resources to be able to uh, provide you with the help and guidance and support that you might need if you want to start your own personal program or, more specifically, if you're thinking of trying to start one or introduce one in a hospital or any kind of healthcare facility, uh, these are the people that are the cutting edge of making forced uh, exercise uh, part of the regimen of millions of people who have the symptoms of Parkinson's who are interested in getting relief from their symptoms. So you've got their email addresses now. You know how to contact them. You've heard them on the show. Contact them. Uh, they'd be most happy and delighted to actually uh, give you some help and support and advice. You're also now ready to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, and that's going to be in July of this summer. Is that right? It's uh, July 10th through the 24th uh, of next yeah, this coming summer, just before the RAGBRAI. Wow. Well, we'll have to uh, get an update on your climb, although I guess we'll be able to see an actual DVD or uh, a documentary of that, uh, you know, probably that following uh, holiday season. But it sounds like that's going to be a, a miraculous experience uh, for you and Nan and the other people who will be participating. Oh, yeah, I mean, it'll be a good stocking stuffer. Right. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Well, so is there anything else you want to make sure and add, John, before we cap it off? Exercise, hydrate properly, get a good balanced diet, um, and th really, you got you got. There's hope out there. You just got to think positive. And uh, like like I've, you've heard, uh, humor is one of my my uh, my buddies. And it um, it, you just have to stay positive out there. We I've met some incredible people that are turning around their, their lives from, from sitting on the ledge and thinking about jumping and coming back inside. So you can do it, man. Great. And, John, I'd like to also uh, request that you consider submitting in a little piece that we can uh, include in next month's Parkinson's Recovery magazine that will be uh, an uh, enticer for your off-the-ledge book. We have on the edition that's coming out in November next week a piece that Pamela Quinn has written. I interviewed her last month. She's the professional dancer from New York City who has been doing incredible things with inventing all sorts of movements for helping people who have the symptoms of Parkinson's. And a second piece uh, by Cheryl, who I also interviewed, who talked about a dental appliance for adjusting jaw misalignment. So Cheryl's also got a, a piece that she's written that everybody will be able to read uh, next week. Uh, there are also other incredible articles that will appear in the Parkinson's Recovery magazine. So consider the possibility perhaps you could yank out just a small piece of what you've already done and send her in because I'd love to be able to include it in the uh, magazine next month. And it will give uh, people an, an enticer uh, to be able to look forward to seeing the full version of Off the Ledge when you actually complete that in about a half a year. I'd love to. That would be spectacular. 
And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that you are on the road to recovery by virtue of the fact that you are listening to this program. This is Parkinson's Recovery. I'm Robert Rogers. Thanks for joining us today, and I look forward to connecting with you this next Wednesday, as in every Wednesday at 3 o'clock Pacific, 6 o'clock Eastern. Good day.